Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. Even though the president's approval rating is, what, at 33%, and that's probably with a little, you know, a little padding, a little help from the pollsters, it's probably 10 points lower than that. The Democrats are not only not even attempting to change course, they've thrown a brick on the accelerator. And one of them is they might as well just start parking unmarked vans in front of government-run schools. I mean, the government school system is becoming a creepy guy with oily hair and plastic Carrera frame glasses and a members-only jacket offering kids free candy from a, a windowless van. And just like Let's Go Brandon has stuck and has been something the Democrats, no matter how hard they try, this is the first time in a long time, I gotta be honest with you, that, and this is no, this is no thanks to Mitch McConnell or any, any of the establishment Republicans, I, and I'm gonna get into that just a bit, because now McConnell, McConnell has the stones to lash out at what he considers unacceptable primary candidates. We're going to get into that. But Let's Go Brandon was not a clever come-up of the establishment. And neither was Groomer. But this is the first time in a long time, if you're really paying attention, that Republicans... And that's the grassroots. And this is another reason why I support grassroots kids. Let's go, Brandon, was grassroots. This fight in the schools is grassroots. This is not This is not the establishment of the party. You're speaking down from on high. You remember quite correctly, Jeb Bush was cashing in on Common Core. This fight over the schools is on the grassroots level. But Putin price hike, it's not working. Nobody believes it, nobody buys it, but Biden, Pelosi, and Saki just keep saying it. And they keep saying it on demand like a sample in an EDM song, but you know, triggered a little bit offbeat. For the first time in a long time, something that is coming from conservatives is sticking, and from progressives, not at all. But I have a piece in front of me called The Rise of the Liberal Groomer. Subheadline, not every desire needs to be empowered by Mary Harrington over it unheard. And that subheadline is actually a great, really great way to sum this up. Just because there's something out there and people are doing it does not mean five-year-olds need to hear about it. Let me ask you a serious question. And you ankle biters, I, I noticed none of you have the courage on this. Well, one ankle biter did. Actually stated for the record that he thought that children should be learning this stuff when they're five years old. Most of you ankle biters don't have the courage on this because you know this. You, you want to talk about the third rail of politics? Teaching sodomy to five-year-olds. Uh, you could probably repeal uh, Social Security before you'd get the majority of the country to start teaching sodomy to five-year-olds. Let me ask you something. If a teacher was in an incestuous relationship, and people are, if a teacher had a photo of him or herself with another person in the picture and a student said, who's that other person? And they said, well, my brother or my sister or my cousin, 
or my son or my daughter. They say, well, do you love them? Oh, yeah, I love them. And then should they go on to explain, should they share their whole lives with that five-year-old or that six-year-old? Andrew, what's your point? This is what we're talking about in classroom discussion. These teachers are saying that if they are out there in same-sex relationships, polyamorous relationships, thruples, should we be teach- should we be bringing in ball gags and teaching six-year-olds how to gag someone? Just because people are doing something out there doesn't mean everything they're doing needs to be shared with five-year-olds. As a matter of fact, I don't care what you do on the weekend. If you're in an incestuous relationship, that's pretty sick and you should seek help. But that's besides the point. Oh, am I offending someone? You're going to add a stripe to the flag? When you say LGBTQAI+, is that including minor attracted persons and people who are having sex with family members? Is that, a, is, that a, is that a stripe on the, is that a sexual orientation now? You find yourself attracted to blood relatives? That's sick. Oh, it's not sick? See, this, we're not even allowed to point to anything as being sick anymore. If, if I'm wrong and you're a sensible, well-spoken Democrat, I'd like you to explain to me your line. You're only speaking for yourself. At what, where's the line at what's sick? What is sick? What is what is what is an actual perversion to you? Uh, like when there's really rich people and some people can't afford to eat. That's like a perversion. I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I want to know where your line is because I don't think you have one. I think some of you people have just and, and I have two articles that go back to back on this. A lot of this is coming from a from French philosophy. On liberation. And apparently it even infected Locke and Rousseau. But they were dealing with very different circumstances. In the United States, see, when we thought we talk about, and I know that I'm gonna get some ankle buyers say, well, not everybody was emancipated. There wasn't an emancipation proclamation. But in the First Amendment, there is a ban on the Congress passing a law respecting an establishment of religion. There is no wall of separation between church and state. The only thing that's in the Constitution, well, two things related to, well, three things, four, the, the, the right to freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and the right to assemble peaceably to petition government for redress of grievances. What was put into the Constitution was an explicit ban on the United States governing via a religion. That's it. The Congress cannot pass a law. doesn't mean you can't have a prayer club in your local government school. That's not in the First Amendment. These are assumed, these are are things created by the Supreme Court after the fact. Which is, again, we, we, we seem to only be pulling our Supreme Court justices from two institutions, Harvard and Yale. If you think that makes the Supreme Court look like America, you're wrong. But anyway, when we were looking at the emancipated liberal citizen, in Europe, many people were governed by a monarchy or the church or both. 
What we were looking for in the United States was a freedom of religion, that religion was voluntary community and faith in God, not an order of government. The, when people call, when people, I, I'm really convinced that, that a lot of the people that listen the most understand the least. It's like when I explained John Dewey. I'm, I, I found the quote that I was talking about the other day. You want to know where, how we got here? The book is called Democracy and Education, published in 1916. And this is the, the Bible of the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association. Here is a quote that sums up where we are right now. The vice of externally imposed ends has deep roots. Teachers receive from superior authorities. These authorities accept them from what is current in the community. The teachers impose them upon the children. At first consequence, the intelligence of the teacher is not free. It is confined to receiving the aims laid down from above. Too rarely is the individual teacher so free from the dictation of authoritative supervisors, textbooks, or methods prescribed as a course of study. So in other words, the teacher cannot be bound by anything. Prescribed courses of study that he and can let his mind come to choose quarters with the pupil's mind and the subject matter. This distrust of the teacher's experience is then reflected in a lack of confidence in the responses of pupils. So in other words, we can't even expect the teacher to follow a textbook anymore. Teachers cannot be bound by anything. Teachers are the supreme leaders of the classroom. Now, it's kind of funny how... Dewey is the most influential figure on government education, bar none. But when we, so we have the individual teacher who's supposed to be able to share whatever they want with the student. And if a governor in this subsidiarity, in this pecking order, says you can't do that. Now the Department of Education is going to come in. So let me get this straight. You don't want authority over teachers, but for the most authoritarian body in education, the Department of Education. So the authoritarian body is going to skip all layers of government beneath it. That's the state, the county, and even the local school board, and simply empower a teacher to do whatever the teacher wants, but not really. Because teachers are not going to be free to say, well, now I guess I could bring firearms in to show the students my life. I could feed them venison because I went hunting this weekend. You know, I could bring in my classic muscle car and say, this is why I believe we need more fossil fuel. No, 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 no. It's only this area of perversion. But it starts with Dewey. Telling, quote-unquote, educators, quote-unquote, educators, that they cannot have any rules governing what they teach the children in the classroom. He also lashed out heavily, get this, at vocational training. Oh, I'm not kidding. You want to know how we got here? He writes, at the present juncture, there is a movement 
in behalf of something called vocational training, with, with which, if carried into effect, would harden these ideas into a form adapted to the existing industrial regime. This movement would continue the traditional liberal or cultural education for a few economically able to enjoy it and would give the masses a narrow technical trade education for specialized callings carried under the control of others. Put in concrete terms, there's danger in vocational education. It'll be interpreted in theory and practice as trade education as a means of securing technical efficiency in specialized future pursuits. Education would then become an instrument of perpetuating untrained uh, the unchanged existing industrial order of society. He didn't, like it. he didn't like vocational training either. In other words, don't teach anybody anything of use. Dewey is the reason why we have the system that we have now. Why you have groomers. They built on his foundation. Teaching useful things. He was opposed to it. You, those are just a few quotes. You have to read. It's like a thousand page book. You're not going to read it. And I, I'm exaggerating. It's not a thousand pages. But to understand Dewey, Dewey did not believe that there was, should, should be any. His only rigidity in education was no rigidity at all. That he was creating generations of layabouts. Pseudo intellectuals. People that couldn't be bothered with learning anything of value. That's why you see these schools teaching 52 different genders, 18 different recycling bins. Kids are learning garbage, useless garbage. In other words, if education is not supposed to be useful, reading, writing, science, math, trades, then what is it for? What does it do? There's... He talks about the people that are economically able to afford a liberal arts education. But if a liberal arts education is as Dewey and now the left describe it, what is it good for? What do you do with it? Now, if you're the child, if you're Jamie Raskin and you went to Georgetown Day School and your kids go to Georgetown Day School and their life is plotted for them to be, you know, basically government layabouts, well, then fine. But the rest of the country has to get to work on some level. If we don't get to work, there aren't going to be taxes paid for you to redistribute. So usefulness is actually just that, useful. How can, what kind of intellectual, or how is it intellectual, dare I ask, to degrade something useful? Useful and purposeful. Well, I don't like useful and purposeful. I like useless and purposeless. That's right, we're going to meet in this classroom every day for no good reason. Makes perfect sense. You want to know how the mind wanders? This is how the mind wanders. No, Dewey was not a monster saying, you should be grooming kids. That's not what Dewey was. He was not a monster. But he was a, he was a layabout. He was a pseudo-intellectual. He railed against teaching useful things. He saw it as too rigid. Now, I'm not saying at five years old, we should go back to the days of wrapping kids' knuckles with rulers. But when you take something that is ordered, the government-run system, right? We are ordered to pay our taxes. Am I losing some of you on the left? I, I, I really think you're not smart enough to understand anything I'm saying. I think you react you, you 
twist, you turn, you scream, you yell. You're probably talking. Listen to you. You're talking back to the radio right now. I can hear you. I can hear you through the radio. You're talking back to me right now. Anyway. It's like you don't understand this. You just lash out at me. Like, I'm going to take the break. I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm treading on your attention spans here. But this is important stuff. Someone's going to win this fight over the schools, and it better damn well not be them. We're right. They're wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patreon. You can join me live on the Will Count Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West, on Sirius XM Patriot, Channel 125.